Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Billy man, come on. Six o'clock news. See somebody been shot. Somebody's been abused, somebody blew up a building, somebody stole a car, somebody got a wig, somebody didn't get too far. Hello and welcome to The Conservative View with me, your host, Jeff Gorman. We are bringing you a review of the news of the week for the Central Coast and for the nation. I am Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast. I need your vote. You should have your ballot already. I encourage you to get that back. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. It's really important that people do turn their ballots in as soon as possible and then use a service. The California Secretary of State has a great service online. Where's my ballot? So you can know right away, confirm that your ballot's been turned in and that it's it's there and it's yours. Could you say that full website again? Well, Jeff, it's a really long web address because it is through the government and they couldn't make it convenient. But I will say if, if you go to your your search engine of your choice and do secretary of state where's my ballot it'll come up uh, at the very top and you can find it and go there great and you know during the show here in just a minute i'm going to go through the california endorsed republican candidates for the statewide races and give you some opinions on the local ballot races that i know of for the monterey area We are hoping to get some good color from our people in the various counties and talk about those ballots, too, on our podcast on my website, GormanForCongress.com. But um, the website for seeing the California GOP's selected candidates, because there's quite a lot of governor's candidates, for example, is to go to CAGOP.org, and there's an endorsements tab there. So if I go too quickly, you can double check it by going to that website. And aren't a lot of those candidates coming to Monterey County in the next week or so? Well, that's a great point. We are going to later in the show be interviewing Angela Underwood Jacobs, who is the endorsed lieutenant governor's candidate. And we're also having an event this Thursday. Now, Angela won't be there, but we're going to have, it's going to be on May 19th, the Thursday. You can go to CaliforniaParentsUnited.org. So CaliforniaParentsUnited.org, that's a group that is statewide. It was founded by a California resident, Tracy Henderson. You can go on there and buy tickets to this wonderful event in San Bonancio Canyon. And we're going to have a lot of great statewide candidates as well as some local candidates. The governor's candidate that's committed to coming is Anthony Tremino. And also two U.S. Senate candidates, one endorsed by the California Republican Party, Mark Moiser. And the other one, another fantastic Republican, Cordy Williams. Then Lance Christensen, who you know very well, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to be clear, Lance Christensen is running for superintendent of public instruction for the state of California. He had been the chief of staff for Senator Morlock, who had proposed school choice legislation about four years ago and was shot down by the, the uh, Democrats in, con- in our state house. But he is now running for superintendent of public instruction, and we're all in with him. He is the best candidate for the job. That, interestingly, is a nonpartisan race, so you won't see the R by his name on the ballot. But he is endorsed by the Republican Party. He does care about children. He wants to put children first in our public education system, which is the exact right thing to do. So then we have the local candidates. Of course, uh, myself, I'm running for Congress in the 19th District. Peter Hernandez running for Congress in the 18th district covering Salinas Valley, 
Hollister, Watsonville, Gilroy, and Castroville. Then um, we have three assembly candidates. Well, two are committed to be there. Stephanie Castro covering Salinas Valley. Then we have Vicki Norden covering Aptos, Monterey Peninsula, and Northern San Luis Obispo County. And hopefully Liz Lawler, who is running for the assembly seat held by Mark Stone. That's going to be an open seat. And she is running up in Santa Cruz and over into San Jose, which is a lot of overlap with my congressional district. So we're going to have a great set of candidates talking, and it's going to be all about empowering parents, making sure parents know how important their role is in educating their children, and also defending their kids from a few bad public school teachers and honestly private school teachers that will go beyond reading, writing, arithmetic, and try and get your kids into an ideological state, either a state of fear or a state of hatred for this country. We absolutely need parents to know what's going on in public schools, get involved, look at the curriculum. It's in a way the COVID disaster of shutting down the schools and then trying to do virtual learning, which was a total failure in terms of teaching kids, but it did an amazing thing. It taught parents how bad the curriculum is at some of these public schools. And it's a blessing. It's a silver lining of the whole thing. So please sign up for that. Go to the website, californiaparentsunited.org. Sign up for the event. It's at a beautiful location. It's going to be a lot of fun. And my friend Tracy Henderson put a ton of energy into it. So I'm really looking forward to that one. You've been listening to The Republican View with me, Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast, and I firmly believe we need to have a strong Republican perspective in the mix here on the Central Coast. So this show is on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101 FM. You can reach me at 831-375-2227. Please leave me your name and your number and why you're calling. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And if you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate your support. My website is gormanforcongress.com, and the address, if you want to send a check, is Gorman for Congress, 215 W. Franklin Street, Suite 312, and that's Monterey, California, 93940. I appreciate your support. Well, to continue with the local news, I'd just like to say I'm very happy for my friend Justin Patterson. He was endorsed by the Pacific Grove Press as candidate for sheriff. I'll just read you a little bit of their endorsement. Quote, Patterson has all the right answers. His experience in the Monterey Sheriff's Department and his vision of the department going forward makes him a strong candidate. The press, PG Press, endorses him without trepidation or reservations. He's a breath of fresh air when compared to the current sheriff. On the show, we've had both Justin Patterson, who's a very fine man, and Jeff Hoyne. I like both these men very much. Jeff Hoyne has got a lot of great experience. He's been police chief in Delray Oaks. He's been police chief at the airport in Monterey. He's also been a sergeant up at the Port of Seattle and has many other great experiences. They're both super capable guys and would be, like the paper said, a breath of fresh air compared to the current sheriff. I will just say this, vote no on Joe. So I think when you think of Joe Moses, think of Joe Biden. Joe Moses has problems. There has not been enough press about the defamation lawsuit against him, which is going forward. He lost an appeal at the appeals court. It pushed it back down to the, to the local court level and he is facing defamation charges. The county had been paying his defense fee. They are no longer since May 5th. The county taxpayers had been paying his. Yeah, just to be clear, the county government, because he did these things in uniform under the color of law, they were defending him. But now he is responsible for his own defense in this defamation lawsuit. And it seems, I mean, I can't prejudge it, but I definitely understand the case. And I would say it doesn't look good for him. So please don't put that on the Monterey County voters that we have put in this guy as our county sheriff. The third, the fourth candidate there, besides Joe Moses, who I do not think anyone should vote for, is a lady that I have met. She is not my choice. She's She's got some, some strong liberal tendencies that are not my cup of tea. I think it's just best, Jeff, if you point out that she is strongly endorsed by the Monterey County Weekly and Luis Alejo. And the Democrat Party endorsed her 28-0 over the other Democrat in the race, who's Joe Moses. So, uh, yeah, even the, that's one thing me and the Democrats agree on is don't vote for Joe. Say no to Joe. So thank you for that. Yeah, she's also appointed by Gavin Newsom to the police commission for training, which is a very notable thing, and it would be great, except that it was Gavin Newsom. I just can't support a person in the Gavin Newsom chain of command. So um, with that said, 
I would like to maybe switch gears and just have a little bit of fun with Mary Poppins joining the White House. Oh my goodness. Wandering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh, information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So yes, information's origin seems likely less atrocious. <laughs> So let me apologize because Jeff wanted to play 10 seconds of that and I made him play the whole entire version of the song by Nina Jankowitz, the head of Joe Biden's Disinformation Bureau. So if anyone suffered any um, physical or emotional issues listening to that, ran off the road, have any broken glass in your house, I apologize. It was my fault. Okay. And that is Joe Biden's fabled Ministry of Truth, right? She's the czar of the Ministry of Truth. Yes, but I think that you can discuss the merits of the book 1984 better than I can. Well, I did uh, read that book a couple of times and it is pretty dystopian. It's very distressing actually to read that book and then even more distressing to 20 years later. And four, I read it when I was a teenager and I read it again about 15 years ago when Google, when it became apparent how much information Google was gathering about us, I thought, this is a pretty serious issue. And now here we are with the government taking it on. And literally, this Disinformation Bureau is a law enforcement agency. And it is going to have a lot of power. And this lady is nuts. I mean, she's just flat out crazy. And she was a major apologist for all the Russian disinformation. I mean, she says it in that Mary Poppins song that that's what she's doing. She was trying to hide the Hunter Biden laptop. Aaron Leon Panetta still haven't yeah. apologized for the Hunter Biden laptop. I wonder laptop. if she was an intern for Leon Panetta. And I don't want the audience to forget Tara Reid that accused Biden of sexual harassment was actually an intern for Biden and I believe it also interned for Leon Panetta. So it's kind of a weird little situation with this Mary Poppins character, but we'll see what comes of that. I have a feeling we'll have more stories about the Ministry of Truth under Joe Biden. You've been listening to The Republican View with me, Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast, and I firmly believe we need to have a strong Republican perspective in the mix here on the Central Coast. So this show is on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101 FM. You can reach me at 831 831- 375-2227. Please leave me your name and your number and why you're calling. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And if you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate your support. My website is gormanforcongress.com. And the address, if you want to send a check, is Gorman for Congress, 215 W Franklin Street, Suite 312. And that's Monterey, California, 93940. I appreciate your support. All right. Well, moving right along here, we've got a very nice surprise for you today. We have an interview with, we conducted earlier this week, with Angela Underwood Jacobs, the best candidate for lieutenant governor of the state of California that you could possibly vote for. I strongly encourage you to vote for her, and you're going to be able to make up your own mind after you hear her about her and her thoughts. She's brilliant and got a lot of civic experience, and I'm just looking forward to sharing this with you. So I'll dive right in. Angela Underwood Jacobs, thank you so much for agreeing to be with us today on the radio show here in the Monterey Bay area. You're running for statewide office. That's a huge undertaking. (laughs) And I am looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the state of California and what needs to be done. And also a little more about you personally. Why don't you, for the sake of our audience, just introduce yourself a little bit and what inspired you to run, maybe what your background is in civic engagement and so forth. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you very much, first of all, for uh, inviting me to the show. Uh, let's see. So I am Angela Underwood Jacobs. My family is actually from the South, from uh, Arkansas. And uh, my parents came here to California, along with their uh, their mom and dad, came here for that California dream. And, and so here I am. I'm, uh, I've been, for, for the most part, raised in the Bay Area. And uh, so I'm a California girl at heart. However, I was born in Nebraska. So, uh, so here we are with uh, my family uh, raised in the city of Pinole, California. I'm a mother of two, a son and a daughter, 
and I've been married for 31 years. For my uh, professional background, I am Senior Vice President at California Bank and Trust. I manage about $2 billion or so in uh, assets. So along with that, I am also a Deputy Mayor uh, for the City of Lancaster. I started out, my, uh, started out in politics, actually, as a Criminal Justice Commissioner here. And then from there, uh, I went on to run for city council, and I was in that seat for approximately five years. And so from there, uh, actually, it's really, actually, at that time, that was around 2019, at the end of uh, December, 2019, to be more specific, then the uh, pandemic kind of uh, kicked in. And we had a lot of social unrest, too, uh, around that time as well. Uh, with the uh, with the killing of George Floyd um, in, gosh, I want to say around May 24th, if I'm correct. At that time, uh, five days later, on the 29th, um, my brother, Dave Patrick Underwood, who's a federal officer with Homeland Security, he was killed in the line of duty. Um, he just happened to be working that night at the uh, Ronald Dellums uh, building in Oakland, California, which was uh, about less than a mile away from a Black Lives Matter civil protest, which was actually, uh, was going very civilly until someone decided that they would use that as a mechanism to uh, come to uh, Oakland in order to actually start a civil unrest across the country. That was their overall uh, idea. Wow. Well, yeah. that's actually when I became aware of you because I, I saw about that case where your brother was shot that day. And I actually, I found out you were on city council, that you were the family member, um, somehow that you were in a news report, I guess. And I just, I called around some friends down in LA County and they, they looked you up and sure enough, you're a Republican and, and, you know, it's radio. So people aren't going to just know, but you're, you and your family are black, right? I mean, you came right, from Arkansas, right. kind of yeah. probably your, your parents were looking for a better way. And Jim Crow was not good. And the Bay Area ultimately was much more accommodating for them, right? And you can, I, I would you know. actually I completely agree with that. Uh, yeah, my mom and dad were from a small, um, little small town, actually, I wouldn't even call it a city uh, in, um, in Arkansas. And they were high school sweethearts, they got married and decided to have kids. And so, uh, you know, a little couple, a few years later, then I come along and then my two brothers after that. And yeah, they decided to come to California just, you know, for a better life, you know, when they were there dealing with uh, racism. I mean, I mean, there's so many different aspects to all of this. Um, you know, illiteracy, uh, low um, unemployment rate was high, you know, just going on and on and on for all the reasons that they decided to come here. And, and not only that, when people, you know, think of California, I mean, that's the place where dreams come true. And, uh, and so they were, they came here uh, in hopes of, in, in hopes of that, um, that life for, uh, for their family. And my, uh, my dad was a, uh, he retired as a janitor from uh, UC Berkeley. And my mom was a, um, he was a cashier, a supervisor at Kmart. And she was there for over 30 years too. She retired from there also. Hey, just so, out of curiosity, what year did your dad retire at UC Berkeley? Oh my gosh. It was, okay. You can see, now you're going to have me go back. Okay. Um, I would have to say that it was, had to be in the, it was in the 90s. Wow. In the, so in the was, 90s is when he retired. Yeah. So I was there at the same time as him. And, and uh, Pinole is just around the corner from Berkeley. I, I think a lot of modern yeah. area people may not be familiar with it, but it's a great little community there. And so I, I hear from my friends down in L.A. County that are very Republican. You know, L.A. County has a, a good Republican party down there and the state party representative for our region, the Central Coast region is from Ventura. So I think it was her that shared with me that that you were in fact a Republican. And I thought, so this is so tragic. I did not know about the motive for the shooter. I just knew Black Lives Matter protests were sprouting up all over the place. And this, uh, this gentleman, your brother, was killed in the line of duty as an officer for the Department of Homeland Security in front of the Dellums building, which is a, a famous black politician from the 70s and 80s in California. And it was just not right. Then from there, what happens next, I'll just share with the listeners, is this same man that no, nobody really knew who it was that perpetrated the shooting or why, mm -hmm. but that guy gets cornered, I guess, in Santa Cruz County in Ben Lomond and ends up shooting a deputy that's, that's coming towards him and he just gets shot. He shoots 
Santa Cruz County Sheriff Sergeant Damon Gutzweiler. And I was actually with uh, Brian, who's here with me today, Brian Higgins. We were in Salinas at a establishment when we heard that news. It was actually the property of of a Monterey County Sheriff's deputy. We were there when this whole thing happened. So we were just looking at each other going, you got to be kidding me. This is craziness. And they later caught the fellow. What was his name again? Carrillo is his Carrillo. last name. Yeah. And so he Carrillo left and, Yeah. And the driver was justice of the, uh, of the van that um, the two people were part of that killing of my brother. Of your brother on the, up in Oakland. But they, they only caught at that time, didn't they only ca- catch Carrillo? Yes, that's correct. And he turned out to be not a Black Lives Matter protester, but somebody associated with the bizarre, this, you referred to it earlier, but someone that thought he might provoke a civil war, practically speaking, right? Exactly. Just absolutely distorted perspective. And who knows how much of that kind of thing was going on all over the country. But um, you may know more than that, than I know of that, but you're going to be coming to the Bay Area most likely in a couple of weeks, right? No. I am. I am. Uh, I, I was there just a few uh, a few months ago. And at that time, he had a, a change in plea. And originally he had a he had pled uh, not guilty. And then his change in plea was too guilty. And so uh, on June 3rd, I'm going to be coming back uh, to the San Francisco Federal Courthouse to hear uh, his actual sentencing. So yeah, that's um, for your brother's death or for the other officer's death? For my for my brother's death. I see. Can you share with us some details about the case in Santa Cruz? Do you know anything about that case? You know, I know you've met with the widow, right? Talk to well, her. Well, I, I haven't met with her as of yet, but I, you know, I've been in contact uh, with the uh, with the prosecution team. What I do know is that at the time when um, her husband was shot and killed, she was eight months pregnant, and they had they also had a little one at the time as well. And so, as they began to start the prosecution uh, of Carrillo for her husband's death. I was asked if I would, if I would, you know, go and um, support her. And absolutely, I, I most definitely will. I mean, it's kind of like we're a part of this group or uh, of people that have just, you know, experienced such a horrific tragedy. And, and in a way, you kind of feel as though no one quite understands what you're going through, what you're feeling. But um, I know that other people that have gone through that, of course, they can relate. But it's just something that you know, my brother woke up that day going into work, thinking that he was going to come home that night. And the next day he was he had planned on having a, um, a family get together. And uh, he got up and went, went in and he never came home. And in fact, when he was shot, he didn't, there's no way he could have even seen that coming because they literally raced up in this white van. Um, Justice was driving and Carrillo opened up the side of the van and immediately just started shooting. And when the where my brother was shot was actually in his uh, in his upper neck on the right side, and then on his uh, lower in his torso on the on the left side. And so I'm saying that to say that they shot they shot him exactly where the armor did not cover. So this was very specific. It was targeted. It was planned, and they lied in wait, uh, literally in the dark, hoping to kill someone that what represents the ABCs. At that time, I didn't quite know what that was, but that is a CIA, FBI, DEA, all, all of those uh, acronyms, if you will, to actually uh, to kill, to kill. And, uh, and that's what they did. They, they killed my brother and then they, uh, they maimed his, his partner. He was shot as well. Wow. So it was uh, just an extremely tragic, tragic situation. And what, what I think of the most is that you know, my brother was such a great guy, a very humble person, uh, very community oriented. And he literally laid there on that cold, hard concrete, suffering, alone, without family. And um, that's what that's what I keep. That's what keeps playing through my mind over and over again. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, he should have been someone that grew old with his wife and had grandkids around. And when he did pass, he would have family there that loved him. And that's not, that's not at all what happened for him. So it's, uh, yeah, I agree. I I pray for you to have comfort in that and not to uh, be only thinking of that, but think of all the good times too, because there is certainly, I know from your voice that there's much 
much to be loved about that life and that relationship. And that's, that's the healing comes from the love. So I don't know how to follow that up. I definitely do want to talk to you more about your views on what's going on in the state of California and what we can do as citizens and as candidates. You know, the listeners here know that this is a radio show. It's part of my campaign for Congress. I'm running for Congress on the Central Coast and you are running for Lieutenant Governor. I think a lot of people really don't know what Lieutenant Governor does. And I've heard jokes about neither does the Lieutenant Governor, but um, (laughs) but I I think I've got this right. Check me on this, that the Lieutenant Governor is standing by in case something happens to the governor, that the Lieutenant Governor acts as the governor. And then also when the governor leaves the state, the Lieutenant Governor has the powers of the governor, I believe. Um, That's correct. And then I know there's some other things, but would you mind sharing those with the audience? Sure, sure. Okay, so Lieutenant Governor uh, serves as a voting member of the Board of Regents of the University of California, uh, Board of Trustees for the California State University System, and then also for a Board of Governors for the uh, California Community College uh, System as well, along with sitting on the Calbright College Board of Trustees. Along with that, uh, you know, they rotate uh, with the state controller as chair of the three-member state lands commission. And there are also other uh, committees that this person is involved with, too, such as the California Ocean Protection Council. And they're a non-voting member of the California Coastal Commission. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so there's, you know, several things that this person does, but is uh, primarily uh, committee driven for the most part and uh, being able to step in in the absence of uh, the governor. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah, that's that's some interesting stuff, actually, that I didn't know until we spoke about it, you and I. I did know from the my history with the UC, with UC Berkeley, that the regents are distinct from the CSU system. The, in other words, the University of California is distinct for a reason. It is granted to the state under deeds, and, and there's different restrictions and limitations on what the state can do with regard to the University of California. And that's, I think, why they created the CSU system is to have more direct control of it. So that's very interesting. I may, I'm praying you get elected for many reasons, but one <laughs> of them is I want to figure out how the UC can become a, a great institution of learning without so much partisan bias. I think there's a lot of it. At, yes. I, I get the alumni information from UC Berkeley and it is, it is owned by the Democrat party. And we've got to straighten that out to make it, Absolutely. to help it retain its reputation. It is tar- its reputation is being tarnished right now by the partisan behavior coming out of there, in my opinion. Yeah, so, no, I, I would completely agree with you. I think that uh, things have gone so far left. In fact, uh, my daughter was uh, attending a university in California uh, for a short time, actually. Then she uh, moved over to a, a Christian uh, private university. But I remember at one time she was studying. She had a course that was virtually because it was during the pandemic. And I actually uh, sat in just to listen. And I could not believe some of the things that were being taught. And so there she was, the only uh, Republican conservative in class and, and actually standing on her own to give her points of view. So uh, and that was completely actually very much uh, in opposition to uh, the professor that was teaching the course. So, yes. And, uh, and you know, not only that, I think it's hard uh, even for young people to uh, when they're in, a, in that type of setting to really be true to themselves and authentic and to speak up. But considering that she's my daughter, <laughs> and she probably gets this from her mom, you know, talking about, you know, even if you're in a situation where it's maybe not going in your favor, but you still should hold your ground and, and speak, you know, what you believe to be true. And there's absolutely nothing at all wrong with that. Wow. Well, I, I can empathize. It was, it was already somewhat corrupted when I was there in the late eighties and early nineties. And I, I know it's gotten much, much worse. And you mentioned about being the only conservative. I wouldn't be so quick to grant that in a, in a real dispute because I, I think the left, and I don't mean the Democrat party, I mean, communists in the state, in the, mm-hmm. in the state of California and the nation, they are using psychological tactics to make people feel isolated, abused, and um, like underdogs, like they can't, 
you know, they're basically oppressing the right and they're really doing it very effectively. I talk to a lot of voters that feel like they're the only conservative they know. And I know that's not true. And I actually help them sometimes by using the voter database as part of party building is bolster their confidence, have the conversation with your neighbors that are actually registered Republican that are also keeping their head down and you don't even know. So I would agree with you on that. Absolutely. I I believe that to be true as well. I think though, too, from um, my daughter's perspective, you know, being uh, 18 at the time, you know, it was was that feeling of exactly what you're talking about of feeling like you're the only one and knowing for sure that you're not. But at the same time, having that um, the uh, courage to speak up on behalf of people that don't necessarily, you know, that you almost have to explain why you're conservative, where you have conservative views and, uh, and that's completely unfortunate. Yeah. I sometimes joke around about, I'm not trying to conserve the current regime. I mean, the, the California government is, is pretty far gone at this point. So we need to remember what America is about, that the California constitution calls for the U.S. constitution to be the supreme law of the land as federal law requires anyway. And California, Gavin Newsom has sometimes talked about being a state unto itself. California is not. It is part of the union. We need to keep keep together. We need to have cooperation between the state and the national government on things like enforcement. So I've got all kinds of views. My listeners here. <laughs> but um, do you have, did you get to hear at the convention, the speech by Jack Guerrero? Do you know Jack Guerrero yourself? Oh my gosh. I, I had a, the opportunity of meeting him. He's fantastic. I was just, uh, I was enthralled in listening to uh, him speak that day, but it was, uh, yes, a very, very uh, highly intelligent individual that which, that actually has the emotional intelligence to go with it, right? Yeah. So he's kind of like the full package, in my opinion. Yeah, he so, delivered yeah, a fantastic speech. I, I think this state has got a great, great core of Republicans coming up. I haven't seen the Republican Party this motivated in my career uh, within politics. I got involved uh, 2009 and 10 a little mm-hmm. bit amateurishly. And then I got, I'm still a volunteer technically, and I got onto the board and it's been a slog, but we are seeing that we're turning the corner. We're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. There's a lot of great candidates coming up. So I'm so grateful for you stepping up and running for this huge office. I hope the campaign's going great. And I know you're going to make the top two. And so we're going to look forward to having you here, having an event, excuse me, having an event in Monterey with you. And, um, and also I'd love to meet up with you down in San Luis Obispo County and up in San Jose, which is also part of my district. So let's stay in touch. Absolutely. You know, I just want to say uh, one other thing. Um, One of the other reasons that I am running is because when my brother, uh, my brother was killed, I received a call from Congressman McCarthy and uh, he asked me to go to uh, to come to Washington, D.C. to speak on the House floor about what happened to my brother. And uh, so, of course, I said, absolutely, I will I will do that. And then at the time I thought, okay, what am I going to say? I, I hear I have this great opportunity, but it just so happens that I had started writing my what I felt was going to be my brother's memorial. And so what I did is I used that, uh, that speech is what I talked about when I went to D.C. And at that time, Thelonious, uh, who's George Floyd's brother, was sitting right next to me. He was about six feet away, of course. And uh, Nancy Pelosi shows up. Now, she's literally seven feet from me. She, t- she walks in, turns her back to me, puts her arm around Felonius to take a photo. And no time at all does she turn to say, I'm so very sorry, my condolences, nothing. She acted as though I was not in the room. And that moment, I realized that death is also highly political. So when, this, when I received a call to, to actually consider running, I thought there's no way in the world that I could not do it because what also happened was that my brother was killed really pretty much in the backyard of Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi in that, in those two areas. And not one, none of them actually reached out at all. And I thought, how could you do such a thing? You know, my brother was a person that was literally, literally uh, protecting and serving their communities and not one of them reached out. So I thought, absolutely, yes, I, uh, I will run for lieutenant governor because we need someone in that seat that actually cares about people and someone that wants to bring values 
moral fortitude, transparency, accountability back to California. So that when I think about my, my family, my mom, my, my dad and my grandparents making that trek, if you will, from, uh, from the South, from Arkansas to here to realize their dream. If I could be a part of that for my children and my children's tr- uh, children eventually, absolutely I will. Without a shadow of a doubt, I put my name in there and I put my name in the hat. And I'm just asking now that I'm that we're there. I'm there officially. I want. I need the vote. I need people to come out and vote and tell some tell ten people and have them tell ten people more. But we need to show up and show what we stand for, which is all the rights that we have been afforded through being here in the United States of America. And when people leave California, we need people thinking about those conservative people, those business owners, those voting people to come back to California and let's find a way to make it right together. And so that's why I'm, that's why I'm running. And uh, I just want to say thank you so very much for even, to even having this platform so that people like me that are, that are uh, literally putting our lives on hold because we want to do the right thing for everyone uh, and, sh- and having me be able to actually talk about who I am as a person and a little tiny bit of my journey. And I am uh, forever grateful to you and Brian for uh, allowing me to be on your uh, show today. Wonderful. I think Brian has a question. I, I, and I do. Um, I, that story is just, wow. How do, how do people learn more about your campaign and honestly, more importantly, donate to your campaign to help you get that message out here in the last 20 something days. Yeah, I know 27. It it seems like it came up so quickly. And thank you uh, very much for asking me that question. Uh, My website is uh, www.angelaforcalifornia.com. And that's www.angelaforcalifornia.com. Thank you so very much. Again, this is amazing. And uh, it's, it's a great way to start out my day. <laughs> great. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you very much. I'll look forward to talking to you again and seeing you again in person when you come up to the Bay Area. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so All very right. much. Take God care. bless you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there it is. A great example of public service. Someone ready to step up for the state of California. Candidate for Lieutenant Governor, Angela Underwood-Jacobs. She has a great Northern California basis and route. She has a great personal story. I hope you will tell your friends about this interview. I am Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress. I'll be right back. You've been listening to The Republican View with me, Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast, and I firmly believe we need to have a strong Republican perspective in the mix here on the Central Coast. So this show is on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101 f.m., You can reach me at 831-375-2227. Please leave me your name and your number and why you're calling. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And if you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate your support. My website is gormanforcongress.com. And the address, if you want to send a check, is gormanforcongress, 215 W. Franklin Street, Suite 312. And that's Monterey, California, 93940. I appreciate your support. Well, welcome back to the last quarter of the Gorman for Congress show, The Conservative View, every Saturday at four. I am obviously enthralled with some of our statewide candidates. My uh, my friend, Angela Underwood-Jacobs, I'm proud to call her a friend now that I've gotten to know her better, known of her a couple of years because of the tragic murder of her brother up in Oakland at the Ron Dellums Federal Building, where he was a Department of Homeland Security officer killed by a uh, guy that wanted to trigger trigger a civil war in the United States of America during the Black Lives Matter Floyd protests. And it was not, he was not a BLM protester. I want to be clear. He was from a different radical, almost cult-like group, tried to kill, and he did kill uh, David Patrick Underwood. And he went on to kill Sheriff Sergeant Gutweiler in Santa Cruz before he was caught. So that's quite a moving story. We've got plenty of other things going on, of course, uh, in California. It's just a huge amount of events. We've had a massive shortage of baby formula. It's got parents freaked out, especially the kids who are have strong allergies or celiac disease, that type of thing. 
these certain formulas of baby food are what they need to nourish their children. And for some reason, we have a breakdown in that. You may have seen this week there were stories of that, but you may not have heard, because I don't think the mainstream press is too interested in covering it, that there are pallets of baby formula showing up at the border. One congresswoman specifically called it out. It was published by Yahoo News that at the Ursula Processing Center on the border, that's where a lot of this formula went. And I don't know enough about the formula market, the baby formula market, to say government orders to take care of illegal immigrants has been a problem for domestic supply of baby formula. But there is sort of that indication out there. Um, that story is worth more attention. I have a feeling it won't die. Maybe we'll cover it more next week. We have my event coming up this Saturday, May 21st. It is a fundraiser in Carmel. I hope you will come. Go to my website, gormanforcongress.com, and you can donate 100 bucks there and say you want to come to the event. I will send you the directions of where it's going to be. It's $100 ahead, and we need the money in order to reach more voters. So that's going to be really fun, a very nice house in Carmel at Saturday evening. Then on Thursday this week, I want to reiterate that Carmel Parents United is having an event. It is going to feature Anthony Tremino, Mark Moiser, who's the endorsed Senate candidate. Anthony Tremino is a governor's candidate. Uh, there's another U.S. Senate candidate named Cordy Williams is going to be there, as well as many of our local candidates, Vicki Norden, myself, a few other congressional candidates, and assembly candidates will be there. So that will be really fun. Look for that on the web at CaliforniaParentsUnited.com. So let's see. I got some new endorsements this week. I have asked for, and I'm being interviewed soon, for the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California endorsement. I haven't gotten that yet, but the founder of it is a gentleman named Kevin McGarry. And after talking to him, you know, you may not be familiar with it, but Frederick Douglass was a very famous abolitionist. So picking up the endorsement of the founder of the Frederick Douglass Foundation in California is a great, a great feeling for me. That is, of course, what the Republican Party is all about, is encouraging people to think about their freedoms which is the mission of the Frederick Douglass Society. So I will hope for that endorsement down the road from the institution. I also picked up the endorsement of Carl DeMaio. He leads Reform California, which is a group out of San Diego, where we have a very strong county Republican Party in San Diego. And Carl DeMaio, you may remember him for leading the charge to repeal the gas tax, which failed in part because the sinisterly corrupt Attorney General of the state of California, Bracera at the time, who's now running or muddling up the Health and Human Services Department for President Biden. At that time that that repeal of the gas tax was up, he called it like destroy the roads and, and stop fixing bridges bill or something like that. It's, it's horrible what happens in California. But through that process, I got to know Carl DeMaio and about his group Reform California very pleased to see that they endorsed me. I'm glad I was actually able to chat with him about it a little bit. It was because of a voter in San Jose asked me if I was endorsed by him that it even dawned on me to call call out and ask for his endorsement. And it turned out I already had it. He had researched the seat and determined that for this district, Congressional District 19, I was the right choice. And that's important to me. So please share the word with your neighbors that I'm running for Congress. The Republican Party is alive and well here on the Central Coast. It was a golden opportunity to push back on the dumb, dumb behavior and policies of both the Biden administration and Nancy Pelosi and her Congress, including my opponent, Jimmy Panetta. They are on the wrong track. Gavin Newsom is on the wrong track. We need candidates like Vicki Norden in the Assembly. For up in Santa Cruz, we need Liz Lawler in the Assembly. And out in Salinas, we need Stephanie Castro in the Assembly. Those three women running for Assembly as Republicans in California are ready to take on the job and turn this state around. So we are doing it. The Republican Party is doing fantastically. Look up your county party, please. Monterey County Party has a new office in downtown Monterey. We've got a great volunteer corps. We need more people. We'd like to have the office open more. We need to get candidate walking going, dropping material at people's houses. We need to get ready for November when we're gonna have city council races, school board races, special district races. 
We're going to have runoffs probably for some of the county seats. And of course, we'll have the general election for the governor and all of the other statewide offices, including the U.S. Senate seat vacated by Kamala Harris. So it's an exciting time to be a Republican. And there's lots and lots going on. Give the Monterey County Republican Party a call. The phone number is 831-324-0617. And you can also call my campaign, 831-375-2227. We would be very pleased to get you connected. We have a lot of different programs on outreach for how we're reaching voters, and we need more help. We could use you. It really is just amazing how poorly how poorly the national civic is going. There is a straight law, very clear law. You shall not, nobody, it's a crime, a federal crime to try to intimidate a justice. And yet right now we have people protesting in front of the houses of Supreme Court justices because a group called Ruth sent us publicly disseminated with the intent to cause these protests the addresses of the six conservative Supreme Court justices. It is so, so wrong. And it is really a sign of the times that the people on the left think that it's okay to do these horrible, horrible acts. And I, you know, I pray nothing bad happens to any of our justices. But the fact is, there's the left is using tactics of intimidation. They're losing on the merits. And they're resorting to violence and terrifying rhetoric and intimidation. And we just can't let that stand. I, I haven't seen Jimmy Panetta step up for that. His wife is a judge here. How would he feel about it if there was a quick case being considered by his wife and protesters showed up at their house? He would not like it. And so why isn't he speaking up about this matter of Roe v. Wade? Now, Roe v. Wade is a little bit of a third rail. I understand that. And he doesn't want to upset. He's got a lot of people that think abortion should be completely unrestricted by any government and that a woman should be able to kill, apparently kill her baby. I haven't heard him say anything about AB 2223, which is the law that California is considering to allow no investigation, like no agency will be allowed to investigate and people will be held as doing something illegal if they even question a mother whose child dies in the first month of life called perinatal. So basically, it's called the infanticide bill. There's a lot of people on the right, a lot of my supporters are very, very upset about this bill. And there's no dialogue. Jimmy Panetta will not talk about it. The Democratic Party here won't talk about it except shout that, you know, there's no limits on abortion, that those are that it's all about women's rights and that babies have no rights whatsoever. So we really need to force a debate. Once this primary is over and there's just two candidates, I think that the press corps of Monterey County and the Central Coast here should demand debates to get these issues out. The public needs to discuss them and understand them. There's you know, Just with regard to abortion, of course, there's people that believe, as I do, that life begins at conception. But there's also a viability question. And most industrialized countries in the world have some kind of restriction on abortion. Specifically, you cannot do late-term abortions. And here in this country, and especially in California, there are no laws preventing that. We're talking about babies that could survive outside of the womb. From seven months on, premature babies are very often born and are nurtured and do well at just seven months of gestation. So obviously, those babies are functional humans. And we need to protect them. It seems pretty obvious to me. I'm sure I'll get some hate mail for this, but we've got to take that on. There's many, many other issues. Jimmy Panetta is part of the Progressive Caucus. He's also endorsed by the Progressive PAC. And he he loves being part of the Progressives. I don't think there's ever been a government program he didn't like, except maybe build the wall. He didn't want to build the wall. Other than that, the guy has voted positive on every massive spending bill Nancy Pelosi could dream up trillions of dollars. It has triggered an inflation run like we haven't seen since the 70s. It's still building. Yes, just this past week, we had an inflation report that inflation was only eight point something, a little bit down from where it was the previous month, but 8% inflation. We haven't seen that since Jimmy Carter's days. It took a few months after Jimmy Carter was 
thrown out of office for the Volcker and Reagan policies to bring inflation down. And the way that those two things, I'll just go into this for a minute because I've got a couple minutes left on the show. Inflation is fundamentally an imbalance between the supply of goods and the demand for goods. Things can cause a run on goods like toilet paper during a pandemic and the supply was normal, but all of a sudden demand goes up and so it becomes scarce and that can drive higher prices. But there's another matter and that's that the supply can be interrupted. And we have seen that very deliberately because of the green agenda. Joe Biden has curtailed oil production on federal lands. He's sicked his EPA on all sorts of energy producers. He has canceled the pipeline that would have been completed by now and would be bringing in millions of barrels of oil into the United States from Canada. And it would have been safer than bringing it in by rail, which is how it has to come in now. And it's still coming, but it's all for the sake of his green agenda that he was doing these things. And he didn't seem to have in mind the consequences. Well, the inflation is the consequence of Joe Biden's curtailing of energy supply. And it's not just energy. We already talked about baby formulas and scarcity now. We've got tons of other products. Meat prices are way, way up. Everything that has to be shipped, which is pretty much everything except electronics, uh, di digital information type products, are they are all dependent on truckers and on diesel fuel. And so the price knock-on effect is going big. And it comes down to this. We paid people not to work. We curtailed energy production. We jacked up the amount of stimulus going into the economy. And we have massive inflation. It is hurting working class people much, much harder than upper middle class people. And it is a problem for us. We need to get those people aware that it is Democrat Party policies that has brought this inflation upon them. We already have term limits. It's called November 2022. Everybody that's up for office, that can be the limit of their term. You, the voter, need to take action. Right now is the primary. If you got your ballot, please vote your ballot and get it in as soon as possible. We need to get our Republican votes counted. We need to get independent voters understanding what the Democrat policies are doing to us in this country, and we need them to vote. And honestly, we need you Democrats that are looking maybe for the first time at what is going on with these policies. Maybe you voted for Joe Biden and you're, you have a little bit of buyer's remorse. I'm with you. You're welcome. I, I would love for you to come and join the Republican Party, but you're certainly welcome to vote for Republicans. We want what's best for this country. We are open-minded about solutions. And I have really enjoyed the dialogue with the voters of both Monterey County and Santa Cruz County, as well as Santa Clara County and San Luis Obispo County. This race for Congressional District 19 has been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the next phase after the, after the primary, but we are finishing strong here as we go into the home stretch. So with that, God bless you and God bless the United States of America. We'll see you next week.